Okay, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. Our guest this week is one of the most recognizable, versatile, and prolific actors in the history of the entertainment industry. You've seen him in dozens of popular TV shows, including Oz, Frasier, The King of Queens, The L Word, Heroes, Entourage, Chuck, Grey's Anatomy, Glee, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You also know him from numerous TV movies and miniseries and well-known music videos for everyone from Mariah Carey to Rihanna. But it's his decades of work on the big screen that have made him a genuine pop culture icon with well over 300 feature films to his credit. And counting. Including King of the Gypsies, Star 80, Raggedy Man, Nobody's Fool, The Specialist, It's My Party, Heaven's Prisoners, The Cable Guys, Cecil B. Demented, Lovelace, The Expendables, Inherent Vice, The Dark Knight, as well as the 1985 action film Runaway Train, for which he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role. And, of course, a movie we love to talk about on this podcast, the classic 1984 buddy movie, The Pope of Greenwich Village. You can't do that, Charlie. You gotta slap him around a little bit. Uh, You know, not like somebody from the other side, but... uh, (laughs) You know, like when they embarrass you in front of your friends, you keep your head down, you say goodnight to nobody. <laughs> that, that's what keeps them humble, Charlie. <laughs> they took my thumb, Charlie! <laughs> well done, Gilbert. Well done. Oh, wow. Right oh, my God. In the right. middle of the intro, too. In a career that started back in the 1970s, this man has worked with Rod Steiger, Eli Wallach, Bob Fosse, James Earl Jones, Tony Curtis, Christopher Walken, Sylvester Stallone, jo- Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, Jackie Phoenix, Heath Ledger, Robert Downey Jr., and even Michael Jackson, as well as uh, podcast guests Lee Grant, Larry Cohen, Beverly D'Angelo, Joe Pantoliano, uh, Rick Overton, Matthew Broderick, and Roger Corman. Joining us along with his wife, manager, and business partner, Elijah Roberts, also a successful casting director and a busy actress in her own right, is one of our favorite performers and truly the hardest working man in show business, Eric Roberts. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was great. 
great. I'll be here all week. I take half a point off, Gilbert, for calling Eliza Elijah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It it happens. But other than that, it was good. I was going to cast you in, Gilbert. It was spot on. Now, I have a question. I'm praying this is true. Because I'm starting off the interview with it. So if this is just uh, internet bullshit, uh, I'll be, I'm going to leave. Uh, according to the internet and other places I've read, there is a connection uh, between Dr. Martin Luther King and your sister, Julia Roberts. The connection is this. In 1965, uh, Credit King with Yolanda and Marty III and Dexter and Bunny came to my dad's school and uh, said, um, uh, Credit said, my uh, my daughter wants to, uh, to be an actor and all her brothers and sisters want to do what she does. So here we are. Wow. And, uh, so- so uh, from 1965 to 1973, uh, the uh, King kids were in my dad's school. And, uh, and uh, one of the biggest productions from my dad's school was, uh, what, what was the play um, uh, with Gregory Patan and Yoki? Um, Yolanda King, everybody called her Yoki. Um, um, well, one of the plays. It's okay. You don't have to. Yeah. That could take the whole show. Yeah, good. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's the connection. We uh, we all kind of we all went to grammar school together and high school together, and we all went to acting school together, and we all know each other. And as they a stayed family friends. And, friends. and at Yoki's funeral, because sadly she passed away. Yeah, Eric we lost did Yolanda. a big video message because you were in you know Eastern Europe. I was on location I was there, yeah. and they, yeah, it's, they're wonderful people. Now, maybe. according to wow. the story I heard, mm-hmm. your mother. Uh, started to have a baby and that Coretta Scott King uh, paid the hospital bills. I heard that too. I know nothing about that. Yeah, yeah. I heard, heard that too. Tell us. Uh, that uh, uh, your your mother, Eric's mother, started to have a baby and uh, Coretta Scott King uh, paid the hospital bills for the delivery of the child, and that child was Julia Roberts. That would have been 1967 then, but I'm not aware of that. Yeah, I, I think I think I outstanding, think we Gilbert. Because I think I heard that from a pretty reliable source, also actually. Eric, I want you to be flattered. This is the most research he's done. <laughs> <laughs> Good That's for a, the brain. And he found something I didn't find. Yeah, Very impressive. For, for the rest of the interview, I didn't know. I know that's pretty good. For the rest of the interview, I'll be going. So I heard you're an actor or something. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys remember about meeting on Hollywood Squares? And anything? Well, what I remember, yes, is I, I, Eric. I don't think you quite understood the uh, tic tac toe uh, <laughs> rules. So right. Because you felt that you weren't getting enough questions where you were sitting. And you said to me at one point, you said, uh, next time, when some of your questions, can you hand them over to me? <laughs> and, and I said, that's not the way you do tic-tac-toe. You Gilbert, don't go, I thought, hey. I, I, I thought I was being funny, Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was all. I mean, it was amazing. People, Joan Rivers was there. It was I, a good group. We always had a good. Group. It was a great group. But who understands? And with celebrities, they're never going to explain anything. They don't want you to feel bad. So we and we never. We don't tell anybody. We never really watched the Paul Lind version. Uh, we didn't know the show. So he just like walked up back there. I remember a couple times you walking into other people's squares and just hanging out. No. Do you remember that, Gilbert? Oh yes. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I'm loose, Gilbert. I'm loose. Yeah. <laughs> Now, now, can you tell us, Eric, what got you into acting? To make a long story short and painless, I was a kid with a stutter who found out when I memorized stuff, I didn't stutter. So it was like, oh, a little gift. And then it became fun and then I became good at it. And then I became and then it became what I did. And and I heard in school, or you said in school in an interview, that when the teacher would ask everyone to say something out of a book, you actually would memorize your passage because that's the way you'd be able to say it. Right, right. I would I would I would count the people and I would count the stanzas and I would find mine and I would learn it. And I would learn them quick. And I became good at memorizing stuff. And so uh, acting acting became the logical path. You kept the bullies away that way, right? Yeah. Well, you know, when I stuttered, everybody laughed. Did you, you, know, you ever work whoop, whoop, whoop. with – I didn't mean to interrupt you, Eric. I'm sorry. It's okay. Did you ever it's work all... with Austin Pendleton? Because he had a similar story. Yeah. Also uh, a stutterer who went into acting and it helped him in the same way. No, I know that story. No, we've uh, we've never worked together, but I do know his story. Yeah, I've worked with him. I didn't even know that. I I didn't even know he had a stutter. How interesting! And he yeah. said he was once cast. Well, oh yeah, obviously, he was cast in. Um, oh, my cousin, my cousin Vinny. Vinny, where he had to play a stutterer, and that scared him. Yeah, he, he didn't want to do it. He wouldn't be able to control it after that. Oh, right. oh I feel bad for him. <laughs> what was yeah. the Little Pioneers, Eric? Little Pioneers was a was a was a was a drama on uh, Saturday morning live television in Atlanta, Georgia, in 1963. Wow! And um, and th that was the so would you bring that up? It's never brought up. I I, I don't think it's ever it's ever been brought up in an interview. I, I, that was the first thing I ever won a Critics Choice Award for, and uh, I won for some kind of local. Supporting actor award for that, and uh, it was it was it was Saturday morning TV, and in my memory, I was brilliant. So, <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> you, but you got a t It's fair to say you got a taste of it. Yeah. Well. Yeah, well. The I, bug. I, I got I got inspired. I was on I was on what I felt the big time local TV in Atlanta, Georgia, in 1963. Oh my God! <laughs> so, so you know. I like thought I'd arrive as a little boy of six and a half years old, you know. And and you said I think it was after Runaway Train, which you know was the critics were raving about, and then like nothing sort of came out of it, and that convinced you that because uh, that was a quality production, Runaway Train. I just watched it again last night. It's great. And, oh, thank you. And and you said you said in an interview that that convinced you that you were better off doing quantity than quality. I don't really remember the comment I, out, of, out of context. It doesn't ring a bell. But I have lived by that rule. 
quantity is king. (laughs) (laughs) Eliza, you come from a showbiz family. We were talking off off the mic. Your mom is Lila Garrett, who was a very famous television writer and radio host. She's still with us. And and you grew up in a showbiz family. Mm -hmm. Your dad was the very celebrated screenwriter, David Rayfield who wrote mm-hmm. Three Days of the Condor and The Firm and a, and a lot of other wonderful stuff. How did you, same question we just asked to Eric, how did you wind up an actor? Well, it's funny because- Was it destined? Uh, kind of. My mom, she's at the motion picture home now, and she's become friends with Sonny Fox from Wonderama. We had Sonny here. Oh, my God. Oh, that's, God, that's so weird. Oh, we'll have to have them together. Yes. <laughs> Te- tell her to give her her uh, best. Me Absolutely. and Frank. Yeah, we, we, love Sonny. we love Oh, Sonny was great on this he show. He's so great. He's so great. I just self-taped him for something for a new job that he might get. Oh, give him our love, please. <laughs> right. But so I was addicted to one drama and I secretly wanted to be on Sonny's show. And I I wanted to act. I always had acted. So I pretended I wanted to be a doctor. I didn't want until it was happening, I didn't want anybody to know. Um, but I did get on one drama. And when I was on Wonder Woman, <laughs> I don't think I ever met anybody who was on Wonder Woman. Grow up, and I thought I can't really lie on TV, and that was it. I mean, there, I I didn't know anything else. That there was no there were no options. It that was, was it. That yeah. was it. Just to, re- to to bring our listeners up to speed, your mom uh, Lila Garrett again uh, wrote uh, Emmy winner Lila Garrett. She wrote Get Smart, my favorite Martian, Maud, All in the Family, The Adams Family, Barney Miller, a Brooklyn girl, I might add. Yeah, absolutely. Bewitched. Bewitched. A, big... a million yeah. shows. I... Yeah. Yeah. She's and she's still absolutely hilarious. Loves you, by the way, Gilbert. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, you who your fans are. She. Yeah. Oh, that's all I want to talk about then. Yeah, She told us not to screw this up. She knew... <laughs> she, she's like, don't talk too much. He's really funny and you'll ruin the whole thing. Like, okay, um... yeah, she said that to me. Don't talk too much. It's comedy. Okay. <laughs> That's great. And before I forget, we'll mention our friend Billy Persky, who's been here several times, who I assume you knew when you were very young. Always. I mean, always. Denoff and Persky. Yeah, sure. And they all were writers. You know, my mom was married five times, and you know, and all the blacklisted people, Lee Grant and Eli Wallach and everybody, uh, oh, yeah. they'd all be doing plays and rehearsing in our living room, and I'd be like like sneak in and hide under the coffee table. I mean, this was it was a culture, and Persky's brilliant. Absolutely great. So yeah, he, he told that great story, and uh, you must know it, and maybe tell your mom, about Damon Wilson carrying a gun on the set of Baby, I'm Back. Yes, that was, and I, that was tough, like, I was, heard that story, yeah. yeah. You know I that story? That yeah. I was pregnant, and I was on that show, and DeMond, at a certain point, he's like, you don't look funny pregnant, and they added a nine-month pad to my already nine-month pregnancy, and I, it, somebody said, you know, just do what he says. <laughs> you might... <laughs> Billy Billy claims your mother went over to him. Billy was directing, and your mother went over to him and said, "Demon Wilson's carrying a gun. You have to tell him he can't carry a gun." And Billy claims that he said, "I'm directing. I tell him how to hold the gun." <laughs> that's a great comeback. Yeah. I'm sure that's exactly what happened. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, and your dad and your dad was uh, was a very famous screenwriter. Yes, David yes. Rayfield, and tell David him tell Rayfield. us some of his credits. Well, and so, well, you mentioned a few because Three Days of the Condor is the one that everybody loves. Sure. It's still relevant. Tell them, tell them how the and way we were is actually we your life story. Your family story is actually story. the story that Plaza Hotel scene happened. 
Do that tell. Was, that was us. So Arthur Lawrence, my dad wrote the script, and then after that, Arthur Lawrence wrote a book, and then it became like a play, and together they collaborated. And so the way we were was the story of him and my mom. Um, Barbara played my mom, just an outspoken radio. I mean, wow. you know, outspoken. Wow. You know, very Isn't that cool. I never made these connections. That's yeah. wonderful. You know, so yeah. So. The, in in the in the plaza scene, almost the last scene in the movie, when they walk up, she has the when uh, when Barbara Streisand has the child. That's uh, she didn't have the child. She just was saying um, she had had the baby because right. my because my dad and my mom split up, and then Don Garrett, wonderful publicist, amazing. He raised me. Um, he adopted me. So that whole thing, um, is he a good father? And she says, yes, very. That all happened. I wow. Years right now. But anyway, yeah, that all happened. And then they did it on Sex and the City, which is even better. Interesting. Yeah. Your, your parents had wonderful careers. They had amazing careers. And, you know, it's a very, it's an interesting mixed bag when you have parents who are so dynamic uh, and incredible. It's not, that doesn't necessarily mean that, they're like the most nurturing, parently type parents. A lot of times they're kind of like, what's that kid doing here? I have a career to worry about. Isn't that my child? You know, but it's, we sure appreciate it now. Look, right? I'll, tell us all, or I'll tell our listeners to look up uh, Lila Garrett and also David Raphael on IMDb. And you're, the, the, the things your, your father was uncredited for, like yes. Jeremiah Johnson and, and Absence of Malice and the Electric Horseman, equally impressive. But of yes, course he did doctoring yeah. on them. Yeah, if there hadn't been a New York Times article about him, nobody ever would have known. He liked to not take credit. I think that you get more, you know, then you're the kind of, if you're underappreciated, you end up overappreciated. He was like, no, no, don't worry. My mom was the opposite. She could watch <laughs> the show and want to have top billing. That's great. On a separate card. I've seen that show. I want credit. And, yeah. and getting back, uh, Eric, getting back to Pope of Greenwich Village, at one point, the director, or original director, I think it was on on Pope, he wanted you to quit. Yeah. So? <laughs> Do you have anything to say about this, Eric? <laughs> it's an interview show. What, what happened was I was offered that movie of January of that year, and we started to shoot in uh, early September. And they said to me, pick a part, Polly or Charlie. So I read the book. I read the script. I pick Polly. They say, we wanted you to pick Charlie. I said, why? They said, because he's a leading man, blah, blah, blah. He's like you, you know, blah, blah, blah. We wanted you to pick Charlie. I said, but Polly's a better part, I feel. Okay, you want Polly? Play Polly. We're going to go after Mickey Rourke for Charlie. And they did, and they got him, and we made the movie. Okay, so I had seven months, and I lost 30 pounds, and I permed my hair. And now the uh, so 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 I did it very slowly in a healthy way, so I wouldn't gain it back very quickly and all that kind of stuff. You know, I was very smart about it. And I show up. We had five days of rehearsal, you know, before we started to shoot. So I show up ready to go. And after the third day of rehearsal, the uh, then director asked me to stay after and talk to him. So I do, and he says, "Why are you so skinny?" As if it's a drug issue, kind of a thing. I said, because well, I want to be a walking spaz attack. He goes, hmm, why do you perm your hair? <laughs> I said, I said, same thing, walking spaz attack. He goes, what is a walking spaz attack? I said, you know, John Belushi, only skinny. And he said, no, 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 no. This guy's a tough thug. 
I said, that's how he's written, but obviously that's not what I'm playing. I said, I'm playing a mama's boy who wants to be a tough thug. He said, no, 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 you can't do that. He said, we disagree on your interpretation. I would like you to resign. I said, well, let me think about it. I was going nowhere. I had, I had already devoted almost eight months you know, to this part. I was going nowhere. I loved this role. So I went up to Mickey's room, and I knocked on the door, and I said, the director wants me to quit. So we called the producers, and they fired that director, and they brought in Stuart Rosenberg. And that's long and short of it. Wow. And you couldn't have done any better than Stuart Rosenberg, who oh, made cool, so cool Hand Luke and Pocket Money. And, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something about that movie, watching it the other night, and I don't know if this has ever occurred to you guys, uh, I, I thought there's a little bit of, of Mice and Men going on in this. Yeah. Is, is, am, I, am I wrong? Of course you're not. There's, yeah. there's, there's the, uh, the, uh, the guy who, who would be on the right track if yeah. he didn't have to carry the load for the other one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You br- yeah. And you bring so much to that movie personally. I mean, oh, your performance almost turns it into a, 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 it's a borderline comedy. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a mob movie. But you're, yeah. you're <laughs> on, on one level, it's a mob movie, it's a heist movie, but your scenes, your, the craziness of your yeah. scenes, the mozzarella stuff and the prank you play on the cop where you put the horse physic and the. Well, that, that you brought that so much. Movie, that movie for me as an actor and also just as an artist doing it, that 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 movie was real wisdom put in meatballs, like 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 lines like, "What do you need a new suit for, Charlie? You got no job to wear it to." Right. I mean, it, I mean, it it sounds idiotic, but it is so wise. Oh my God, it's so intelligent. And just that whole movie's like that for me. I just love that movie. For and it. and how was it working with Mickey Rock? Well, you know, Mickey is the most selfish actor I've ever worked with. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he, uh, he never learned a line of dialogue. And, uh, and, uh, and it was hard. <laughs> but in the end result, what he is is this genius actor, and I love Mickey personally. And what he is is this genius actor who knows how to – I mean, and, and not just Pope. I'm in love to the end of my life with the performance he gave in a thing called Barfly, the most – Oh, under- yeah. It's a hell of a movie. performance I've ever seen in my life. And, and uh, you know, Mickey is just a genius. But but he's really hard to work with because uh, because he's on his own track and he takes no prisoners. And so and so you're on your own. And uh, and uh, it was it was very frightening. It was very fun. And uh, we we got very bonded. But uh, he you cannot trust Mickey Rourke. As a working comrade, <laughs> are, you, are you sorry you asked, Gil? Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 the truth. And for years and years, I lied. I would never say that. But but you know, enough time has passed. I can be honest. No, we I, appreciate the candor. Yeah, well, I, we'll I, get him on I, here now to see what he has to say. Hey, response. You know, the, the you're, chemistry. You're only, you're only the uh, the uh, the second time I've been asked about it uh, that I've been honest about him. The chemistry between the two of you guys, and I know there was some talk of a sequel because yes. the, the two of you were walking off at the end, and I, I presume headed to Miami yeah. to, to escape the heat. Yeah. But it never it, materialized. Well, no, not yet. Let's put it that way. There, oh. it's, there's still talk. And it's been, there have actually been a couple of scripts 
So I think we just need to focus. I mean, Mickey wants to do it. Eric wants to do it. The world seems to want it. Um, it's so, so weird. You know, the more time that passes, the more I- interest there is to uh, to make part two, oddly enough. It's weird. It's funny. Yeah. I'd love to see you guys getting into more misadventures late, okay, in, late in life. <laughs> also, we have something vaguely in common uh, with each other, and that I starred, I well, I didn't star, but I appeared in three Sharknados. Oh, and, you're going there, huh? And, <laughs> and you very proudly uh, appeared in Shocktopus. No, 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 you must say it correctly. Oh, sorry. Sharktopus. <laughs> Roger Corman's Sharktopus? Yep. And tell, and us, tell us why you did that one. Well, you Eric. know, Roger says, you know, come uh, come make this movie. I said, Roger, I can't, I can't be in one of your movies. I'm sorry. He goes, what can I do to get you in this movie? I said, you can put out my whole family and all their friends there and e- 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 everybody we ever met at that, at that, at that, at that beautiful retreat down there while I shoot the movie for a month. He goes, okay. <laughs> so I brought everybody we my um my family ever met down there and we had a great month's hiatus and I made a bad movie. Nice move. Nice yeah, move. That that was that was about uh a creature that's half shark and half octopus. It could happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you guys first met because the story is interesting. It's sort of a meet cute, as they say. Yeah, it is kind of meet cute. Do you want to tell it or should I tell it? We tell it differently, but go ahead. A brothel. <laughs> <laughs> On an airplane, MGM Grand. And I was um, doing, I was working with Travolta, um, doing Chains of Gold in New York and in Florida. And Eric was, I guess, flying from New York to L.A. to finish Best of the Best and then go to Europe. From Rome, and I was passing through. Um... Uh, I see. JFK on the way to LAX. Okay. So we just happened to be seated next to each other. And as a matter of fact, I had my dad's script Intersection, which was a very different script when it was going to be Bernard Tavernier and it wasn't Sharon Stone and Richard Gere at the time. It was kind of an art film and and very French. And uh, a very cool story, frozen moment in time. And Eric was reading whatever. But as soon as we were seated and I saw it was Eric Roberts, I didn't want to read my script. I was like, oh, I don't want to talk shop. I'm just now I don't get to read the script. I put it under my seat, whatever. He had a cat on his lap. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. <laughs> All right, you're, not, you're not hearing this great detail. Okay, the cat was named Tender. Hey. And, you know, in those days, you didn't fly with the animals inside the cabin. So that was pretty major. And little children came by and they're like, can I see the kitty? And Eric kind of shared his kitty. And I was like, yeah, gay, for sure. I mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> it. I guess I could be more comfy. I can just relax. Right. And, uh, and, you know, and then he was very chatty. And so that just confirmed the whole thing. But he did a nice thing because after they, they used to serve food on planes, anybody who doesn't remember that. And after they served the meal, just then I had to get up to go to the ladies room actually to put on some mascara. And, um, and he like held my tray and did this whole gentlemanly thing. And and he was he had a big bottle of water he was drinking. He was just nothing like he was supposed to be. And um, and that was that. And I, he asked for my phone number, etched it into his driver's license. Oh, that's um, romantic. When we did pull out our scripts, it turned out because he was friends with Eddie Bunker, who was friends with my father. So it did. It turned out that he was a David Rayfield fan. And um 
And, you know, when I got home, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was at my house babysitting. In those days, that's what he did for a living. Wow. <laughs> yep. I owe Jeffrey Dean Morgan my marriage to this woman. How so? Yeah. Because I called her. He answered the phone. He was crashing on her couch. He answered the phone. This, this a man with a deep voice. Hello. I think, oh, no, boyfriend, you know. Uh, can I speak to Eliza? Man, this is calling. Yeah, it's Eric. So hold on. He goes away. He says to Eliza, phone call. Who is it? It's Eric. I don't know an Eric. He says, because, you know, we just met you know, very briefly. I don't know an Eric. He says it sounds like Eric Roberts. She says, oh, I met him on the plane. She takes the call. If he hadn't said that, she wouldn't have taken the call. I would not have called back. Well, he didn't just say it sounds like Eric Roberts. He said it sounds like Eric Roberts, and he now hears me talking to you, and there's no way I'm going to tell Eric Roberts you're not here. I fear for my life. <laughs> I have enough to want to protect him from, you know. Uh, then I took the call. So it is true. And Jeff credits himself with bringing us together. And he's right. It's kismet. Yes. And, 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 you know, all, all like, you know, cuteness aside, all that, all that Hollywood stuff aside, you know, we've been, we've been together almost 30 years. I, I'm so crazy about my wife. That's nice to hear. Crazy. And you guys work together. I mean, I noticed in doing some deep research, a lot of common credits. How do you pull that off? love it it's you know it's so much easier than trying to explain your day you know how that is you already <laughs> our business you work 28 hours a day how do you then fill each other in who's got you know this way we're already there plus we balance each other a lot because we're just really different personalities and so you know i'm a good front woman for him he's a good front man for me you know he's not afraid to go up to people and hand them a my son's CD or my daughter's bake shop card. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and I'm not afraid to be nice to people at all times and, uh, and you know, just explain if he's off concentrating that he's not actually ignoring them deliberately and he's not as much of a jerk as he may seem to be. So it really works, us working That's together. great. Are you managing him officially? Is that... I am managing him. Oh, she's yeah. the boss. There's now. a little symmetry here with Dara and Gilbert. Yes, da I know. Dara's I next to us. She, she can. Can you see her? Yeah. I can't you can't see her, but I know her email address. Hi. Give a wave. Yes. So you guys know. It's that. It's yeah. that thing. Who better? And, well, Gilbert instance. won't pay commissions. That's no. why Derek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Eric, you worked with, with uh, Shelly Winters. Yeah. Tell us that experience. And Sterling Hayden on yeah. the same movie. Oh, my God. That's right. Well, I got I got a couple of stories we have the time. You know, Shelly Shelly was great. Shelly was Shelly was um, raucous and fun and nasty and silly and playful and uh, would uh, say stuff like uh, it would be one forty five and she'd say, "Somebody keep track of the time for me because at two o'clock I have to be in a car and leaving." Oh, that's why you get that set joke. That's yeah. where you got that. Yeah, that's oh, where God. I got it from. And uh, and you know that you know just just that kind of thing all day long. And uh, and uh, you know Sterling would smoke dope in his dressing <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and you know I'm this I'm this I'm this 20 year old kid who's so impressed with both of them, and they're both acting like children. It was so weird, and uh, but they're both very kind to me, and uh, they're both very supportive of me, and so uh, they uh, both gave me lots of hope. Sterling Hayden and said, "Don't move to Hollywood, whatever you do." He did. He said, don't do it. He said, you know, they'll try to get you to. Don't do it. They'll try to get you to move to Hollywood. Don't be doing that. 
And and wow. for those of you out there who don't know Sterling Caden, he's the cop who gets shot in the throat by yeah, Al Pacino McCluskey. in The Godfather. He's the he's and a God police God. captain who broke Al Pacino's jaw, right? Yeah. And then Al shoots him right in the forehead. Bam! And speaking <laughs> of Godfather, uh, Michael V. Gotso's in that movie. Frankie yeah. Five Angels. That's right. That's right. Is in the King of the Gypsies. So you were 20, 20 years old. You said you were scared, stiff. You weren't sleeping. I was scared every day. I was scared every day. Yeah. yeah. But but you know, uh, uh, actually, um, the 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 day I got over my real fear was my first night shoot, and I showed up for my first night shoot, and it was with Sterling Hayden. It was his first day, and I got told to go over over to his trailer. He wanted to talk to me. So I did. I knocked on it. Come on in, he says. So I come in, and it reeked of hashish. <laughs> and he asked me if I wanted to get stoned. I said, no, I can't. He says, you don't get stoned? I said, no, I've gotten stoned, but I can't get stoned and talk. I have to get stoned. Anyway, what are we shooting tonight? I, and I said, you know, scene 87. And he said, I, I know the number. What the hell happens? So I, I, I explained it to him, and he said Kind of a pivotal scene, huh? I said, yeah. He said, how are you improvisation? I said, I'm all right. He said, good, because that's what we're doing. Anyway, so so, so after that night, I was kind of relaxed because I realized there's, there's, a, there's, there's, there's a nothing I couldn't handle, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Did you meet the old man, too? Do you know De Laurentiis? Oh, sure. What the he hell was, was old- he like? He was, he was, he, he owned all of us and he, and he made it clear. <laughs> Larger than life, was he not? Really, truly. And, uh, Eric, 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 <laughs> good acting. <laughs> he, he was like well, he was the rookie on that movie, which I find funny because Brooke Shields was in it. She'd had all of two movies under her belt. I know. <laughs> he was like a yeah. grizzled veteran. I know. Brick was a pro though. Brick was always, in, in fact, uh. Uh, 22 years after that, I I played her husband. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> older brother, it does all come right? full circle. And yeah. and at one point, you decided as a as a career option, or a career like uh, to give yourself more steam, to go on celebrity rehab. Actually, uh, that that was my wife's decision. <laughs> I came home from the gym one day, and, you know, on the way home from the gym in those days, I always smoked a joint. And I'm coming home from the gym after having smoked a joint, and I walk in the house, and my wife says, Celebrity Rehab just called. They asked if you have a problem, if you want to get off anything. And I laughed and said, should I give up dope? And she said, I think you should. I said, you got it. And she goes, she goes I, don't, I don't really mind you uh, smoking as little pot as you do. She said, but... This has an audience that you don't have. They're young. Your audience is old. I think you should do the show. So I did the show. <laughs> and, and I heard then that the producers called complaining that everybody else on the show has broken down crying and has had temper tantrums and has gone crazy, but you didn't. And they didn't like that. Well, well, I was the only one. You're not really coming off hard drugs. I, <laughs> I, I, I was just getting sober off a little marijuana, you know. So I, I was fine, and I was, I was like polite, and I like stood in line properly, blah blah blah. And everybody else was trying to, trying to, trying to like you know axe murder each other. 
And so, and so, you know, I was, I was day at the beach for him. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was, it was, and then it was quite I, an experience. Then I heard after they complained that they weren't getting enough turmoil from you. <laughs> you actually put on a performance where you cried at one point for them. Well, I'd say I've, I've already told the story a couple of times, so I'll tell it again. Um, so I had this meeting with Dr. Drew. It's called a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, not a group thing yes. with the doctor. It'll be in the morning, Eric. And But the evening before, I had had... I'd gotten a phone call from my wife. Hello, baby. What's happening? She goes, you're in trouble. So what, what, are, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't, I don't even do anything. Here. Goes, That's the issue. You have to do something. Everybody's emotional. freaking out. All but you. You're Mr. Polite. What's going on with you? I think I haven't ever been talked to like this about this. This is kind of shocking <laughs> to me. But what do you want me to do? She goes, I don't know. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to do something interesting. <laughs> okay. So I said, so you want me to cry? And she goes, at least. <laughs> so she hangs up on me. And I go back to my room thinking, this is so stupid. But but so I had this thing with Dr. Drew the next day. So on the way to talk to Dr. Drew the next morning, I'm on the way walking across the campus. It's about a quarter mile walk. And I start to visualize I'm on the way to talk to Dr. Drew. When I get there, he's going to tell me my wife has died while I've been here. And I really got that in my head that my wife had died. And I was about to get the news from Dr. Drew. And I sit down and he goes, so, Eric, how you doing today? And I just, <laughs> and I just let it rip. <laughs> and, uh, so I got to say. So you gave one of your best performances on Who oh, no. Who oh, no. <laughs> Gil, it's just bad that show's not on the air anymore. I'd like I, to see you on there. <laughs> be a tour de force. That'd be great, Kelly. Eliza, talk a little bit, too, about your, your acting career. You're in a couple of famous things. I mean, you're famously an animal house Yes. to our listeners. We've had uh, Regert and Matheson and and, uh, and Stephen Bishop have all been here. Oh, that's great. With all us. Friends. We're still all such good friends. Love those guys to death. But you, you are Brunella, the desk girl at the girls, at the girls college. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so you're in Landis' Schlock, too. Yes. I was in Schlock when I was a kid, at 17. John saw me in, um, in The Crucible, you know, which is very far from a comedy, <laughs> um, in England when I was 16. And then I was at Berkeley, and he called, and he said, I'm doing a movie. It's $50 a day, $25 deferred. I didn't even know what that meant, and I didn't care. I was like, paid to act? Sounds great. And... Um, I did schlock, and then a couple of years later, he called and he said, "Do another movie." Um, and the the actress that that plays this role has to show her boobs, and I'm having to do these embarrassing interviews where there has to be a secretary. This is also dated. <laughs> a secretary in the room, and the girls have to take off their top. I think I've seen your boobs at some point. So can you just play the part? <laughs> <laughs> Weirdest like offer I've ever had, right? And um, I was like, yeah, sure. But but there's an amendment but to that because I said, but I'm pregnant, so now I'm not showing in the tummy yet, but definitely there's a little extra boob going on here. <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> when are you shooting? If it's today, we're fine. And he goes, hold on a second, I'll get back to you. <laughs> and he calls back. He's like, well, it's not for a couple of months, so I'm writing you a different part. And so it was Lisa Bowers' part, you know, with Tim. Lisa Bowers, kind of the one that comes down yeah. the stairs and is and is Fawn Leibowitz's roommate. 
Yes, yes. And I still I still was involved in her nudity because I held her robe when she <laughs> don't move in and out oh of the car. But anyway, so he wrote me Brunella at the desk, and you'll know. And I was pregnant with Keaton, who is now touring with Otis Day. That's a trip. Oh my it's God, that's okay. weird. <laughs> I was wearing a poncho. Like if you watch the movie again, you'll see that it's just it was very fashionable. Deborah Dulman, John's wife, who's his costume designer, is brilliant. So a poncho, you didn't see the pregnancy. I see that movie and I get nauseous immediately. I had such morning sickness the entire time that we were shooting in Oregon. But and you know, who knew that movie's gonna be a hit? We wow. just thought it was some silly kind of John Landis personal whatever with all of us. What about that? Yeah. That is the weirdest thing. I'm now I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat this in case somebody missed it. Your your son Keaton Simons is a musician. Yes. A pop popular, successful musician, and you were pregnant with him when you were shooting Animal House, yes. and he is now touring with Otis Day. Yes. Who is obviously in the movie, Otis, my man. Yes. That's they, that's bizarre. They just played the Dexter Lake Club. In- <laughs> oh, my God. The Dexter Lake, is that the Dexter Lake Club is real? Yeah. yeah, it's totally real. Yeah. And it looks exactly the same. It's so weird. I can't. I, they play a lot of other places, too, but yeah. Why, and of course, there's that joke that you could never do today. Yeah, your your line in the club will yes, make will make people go to the movie and see what I'm talking about. Exactly, that's right. Now it's controversial. Yes, you as it, it should be. Oh, yeah. and a, a, another thing I remembered, or uh, once again, uh, Pope of Greenwich Village. But you said, uh, when you go into Little Italy, uh, they won't let you pay for an espresso. Love it's that. It's all free. They want they, everything. They, don't let me pay for anything. <laughs> and restaurants will be in on it, so you have to just eat a little at each place, or you'll just die. Or That's very clever. So you're like a hero in Little Italy. Eric and Mickey are, uh, have carte blanche in, yeah. in Little Italy. Yeah. You you guys love actors, so I mean, you look at that cast. I mean, Burt Young, uh, Gilbert's favorite, Tony Musante. Yes. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh, who we had here on the podcast. Boy, ah. he's a character. Character. Joe Grafazzi, who's still around. Philip Bosco, the great Ken McMillan, who Eric worked with a bunch Philip of times. Bosco. Yeah, what a cast. cast. Yeah, pretty great. Yeah. Pretty Geraldine great. Page gets an Oscar nomination, and she's in the movie, what, 11 minutes? Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. A scene. It's 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 a movie that holds up beautifully. Yeah. And you. and you worked with someone who we, uh, we discussed a couple of times on the show, in fact, discussed today. Uh, Rod Steiger. Oh, the he specialist. was so good to me, and he had the best stories. And uh, the only okay. issue that I'm aware of that Rod had about anything at all with show business was, I'm a better actor than Marlon Brando, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it, Rod. He <laughs> just came out and said that? <laughs> but not, not in those words. Right. But that's what you always got from Rod is the only issue I might have that you that you, you might make a mistake bringing up is I am the actor of my generation, not Marlon Brando. People think he's the actor of our generation, but it was rough when you got on the Marlon Brando issue. It was rough. <laughs> Did you ever have any dealings with him yourself, Eliza? With Rod, Rod Steiger? 
he and my mom dated. This is real. Oh, oh glad my I asked. God. Yeah. Six degrees of separation. And I'm close yeah. with his wife. Yeah, we and we did many lunches. Plus, I was on set the whole time for the specialist. The big question was that accent. He was sure that it was authentic. <laughs> Gilbert was just talking were, about yes. it outside oh. the lobby. I mean. Oh, his Spanish accent? accent? Yeah. Cuban, but, Cuban, Cuban. Yes. <laughs> Very different from Spanish, Eric. This is Cuban. Okay, right. Jerry Weintraub or anybody else. I mean, there you weren't gonna, you know. He just Jerry, did, but he did. Jerry, Jerry said to the director, "Can you have Rod back off the accent?" The director said, "You have Rod back off the accent." Carefully. Yeah, he he was known to eat up the scenery. <laughs> I was telling Gilbert in the lobby about a little-known uh, movie uh, John Patrick Shanley wrote called The January Man. Yes. And, oh, yeah. And Rod chews the scenery like nobody has ever chewed yeah. scenery in that yeah, movie. Yeah, it's way overdone. And our friend Danny Aiello. It's so much fun to watch that movie, though. That movie is fun to watch. Yes, it is. If you want to watch actors like Keitel and Dan, Danny Aiello, and who we just lost. Uh, I, I remember in The Specialist, Rod Steiger receives a package that he realizes is going to blow up. And that's when Rod Steiger gives one of his greatest. He goes, bastard! <laughs> Eliza and Eric are cracking up. <laughs> we were there. We know. We know. <laughs> and there was that famous uh, incident that happened with Steiger and Brando because they were doing the taxi cab scene. Taxi car, yeah. yeah. And and usually in movies, they have the camera on one guy and the other actor will be behind the camera uh, saying that so they have someone to play off of. Off camera, and yeah. And Brando just went home. And, yeah. and Steiger hated him after that. Yeah, I was mad about that. That's well, right. Come on. Right. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not cool. No, it's not. Well, we don't want to lose this thread, uh, Eliza. What was your mother's experience of dating the man? She cuz yeah, cuz she she um she actually said he was wonderful. Yeah, she did. Not a necessarily wonderful person. <laughs> Uh, of her time, but she did like him as a lover. Interesting. And wow. She was like his passion went beyond acting. That's what she would. She said he drove her crazy. However, he was sober. I have other inside information. Marlon Brando had a small penis. Eric. Excellent. Try to get that from Rock Tiger. You're wait, on the right wait, show, Eric. Wait, wait, <laughs> Eric. Eric, why did you wait this long? <laughs> That's just what I want the whole show to be Did about. Did Rita Moreno tell you that? No. No, I got that from Lila, too. <laughs> wow. Hardly from personal experience. <laughs> so so she, 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 saw his, she saw Brando's penis? Uh, all I know is we're, we're having some kind of holiday get-together, talking about lovers and this and blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. Yeah, so he had a small penis. I'm like, really? Huh? Okay, wow. Thank <laughs> Speech. No, no, it, it, it was it was a description of the situation. <laughs> so so, <laughs> if I had to wrap this whole episode in one thing, yes. it's that Marlon Brando had a small dick. <laughs> no, yeah. I, <laughs> thank is you. Is there a different dick subject that we're supposed to be bringing? Oh up? well, it's a perfect segue. So tell us yeah. about the tell it nicely done. <laughs> So, t- so tell us about the product that you guys are endorsing, the Rocket. 
Oh, you know what? Speaking of penises. <laughs> it's a, as good a segue as we're going to get. Shall I introduce or shall you introduce? I Only ladies should introduce the rocket. <laughs> um, okay, so we have a very good friend. His name is John Hoffman. He's an inventor. He's a film producer. He's, he does a lot of things. And, you know, apparently... 50% of guys have He's some... He's a crazy genius. Go ahead. They have something where, you know, whatever goes on when you're 18 years old doesn't go on for, like, your whole life. And it's frustrating. What are you talking about, Eliza? Yes. <laughs> I I have no idea. I, this sounds now, very foreign to me. This is crazy talk. Keep up with your brain and your desires. Oh, that. Yeah. Okay. So our friend invented... Well. This technology has been around for a long time, but he invented it so that you don't have to go to a place to do this treatment. You no, can no. just order it online and have it at home, and it's called the rocket. Okay. It's old technology, though. It's like it's like old from the turn of the 20th century, but it was Metal. expensive. It was unaffordable to anybody but the very, very rich who were having a little trouble in the bedrooms to go to the doctor and spend a bunch of money and get it fixed. Okay. But now, people couldn't afford it. Now it's it's made affordable. It's this cool gadget. And it looks neat and all that kind of stuff. And basically, the science of it is, I don't know, it's just basically as if a massage um, could solve a rotator cuff or something you know, where it's completely solved. This thing is just a really easy treatment. You do it at home. Takes away any sense of shame. There shouldn't be shame anyway because that's just ridiculous. It's accessible. It's affordable. And so, you know, John's our friend. So Eric, who... Actually, you know, there's something about Eric. He just doesn't have this problem. He's like the same person he was when I met him, which is half our life ago. But bless your heart, he Eric. Curious. He got curious, of course, and I was like, I out. gotta try this. <laughs> you know, and yeah. as a couple, it's kind of, you know, it's just like a fun thing because we think everything should be unshrouded anyway about sexuality and whatever, monogamy. All of it, the whole See, thing. See, I massage my own penis. I, I, <laughs> however, in case you want that same expertise, yes. <laughs> you're not left to your own devices. I've never asked a machine to it's massage device. my dick for me. Like no. I'm so good at it. You don't, it's a toy. You don't, it's more like you a, don't, toy. a toy. You don't, you don't put your business in this. No, no, no. <laughs> no there's nothing scary. I assume it's battery powered. It's battery powered. Okay, and, and it's, it's it's it stimulates blood flow. Yeah, exactly, and it actually kind of ch changes your whole thing. Suddenly, you just you can do whatever you want anytime you want. It's amazing, and there's obviously no side effects or anything. What right? happens is, it's a jolt, and it it like makes it rocket. So it's like a defibrillator for the Johnson. I don't want an, you. I don't know an electrical spark that's in my dick. <laughs> <laughs> you said a jolt. <laughs> Wait, what? You guys? I wouldn't either. No, it, 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 it's not that. No, no, it, it, it's not where you you're like shocking your thing with a spark. No, no, there's no, no. no shock. No, it's no. it's invented by a guy. I mean, it's this is believe me, much care went into this thing. It's just neat. And it works. And okay. why not? Because that means that you can keep on having that kind of fun forever. Sure. We'll come we'll come back to it <laughs> again at the we'll come back to it again at the Dr. end. Dr. Ruth would report it to the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more okay, about the rocket great. before we sign off. Oh look. That looks like the that looks like the website. Oh, you got it.
That's I, it. I that's it. There. That's it. Yeah, because that's a doctor. We we know that guy. Okay. Yeah, he's cool. So we it's therocket.com. And I think they enjoyed the wife. Yes, there we go. Thank you. God, you guys are the best. Whew, saved us. We are. And- we are. We're, we're nothing if not professional here, as you can see. Yeah, yeah. I was I was leaving my then your girlfriend's house at about at at about four in the morning. Sandy Dennis, the and, brilliant actress. And I had I was in a jeep with the, with the doors off, and in the passenger seat was her dog, and uh, the the dog was uh, was uh, leaning way out the door, and I take my hands off the wheel and I say sit down, and I look up and I see oh I'm gonna hit something, and I do, and I wake up two and a half weeks later, and I'm kind of a mess, and. Uh, I was I had a, had a bunch of broken bones. I was missing teeth. I'd been in a coma, and um, and uh, had to learn how to how to kind of how to kind of live again. And uh, it was it was hard, but I did. Yeah, because like, with brain injuries, a lot of times they think because your vital signs are fine that you're fine. But it's much more like regarding Henry, that movie with Harrison Ford. It's you know you're there's a do ton you of know trauma. that movie called Regarding Henry? Sure, uh, yeah, 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 sure, Mike Nichols movie. Well, he was yeah. so brilliant in that movie, and he didn't get a nomination. He deserved the award. But he nailed it. Eric says it was uh, very true to how it is. When he was like that so happens. perfect. Oh my well, god! Well, does this Harris. does this story factor into when you were auditioning for Fosse, and he said, "I heard you were disabled." Yeah, he uh, after about the fifth time I um, I read for him, he said, "Do me a favor, walk around the room." So I did. He goes. Okay, walk around the room backwards. So I did. He got, and I said, you know, why you asked me to do that? Are you going to have me dance or something? He goes, no, no, no. I was told you were crippled. He goes, you're obviously not crippled. I said, no. And he said, oh, and I asked him who told him that, and he told me. And uh, and uh, it, it was just somebody being mean. Oh, and, that's uh, unfortunate. And, but you had to learn how to talk and walk. All yeah, over again. You know, when you when you when you suffer brain trauma, it 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 uh, it affects all the motor skills, and uh, and uh, you have to recondition them. You have to retrain them. They're like they're like muscles. You have to re have have to restimulate. But my theory is Eric was too pretty before. He was he was gonna have he was gonna be thought of as shallow. You know, it's kind of like the Rob Lowe syndrome. Nothing against Rob, but. As a casting director, Rob is a really good friend of ours. He's a very good actor. Yes, but he had to kind of get older for us to realize that Eric was just so perfect and so pretty. You didn't feel that he suffered or went through anything. Then when his face looks more like it got run over by the car that he crashed, um, it's inappropriate. (laughs) This is fascinating that you have put a casting director spin on this. Oh yeah, you I absolutely find have. the find the positive. So so him looking a little bit more uh, a little bit more rugged and a little bit more banged up. Make, yeah, make him a more valuable commodity. Fascinating. Sure. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. I love that spin. Tell us about I don't think we've had anybody on the show who worked with the great Bob Fosse, Eric. So tell tell us something about about the man. He was a dream come true for an actor. Uh, you could you, you could make up a question. He would have a legitimate answer. He was so prepared, and, and he, he knew everything from top to bottom, front to back. And uh, he was he was a born leader, and he was he was he was really driven out the gazoo. I got the most personal direction I've ever gotten from anybody from him. Wow. I was doing a scene one day in my underwear with a guitar, and I messed up the song, and I said, "Cut." You don't say cut on a Fosse set unless you're Fosse. And he said, come here. And he walks away from the set. Come here. 
And it's, oh, God. So I get up in my underwear, and I walk across this, the uh, biggest soundstage at, at, Zo at uh, Zoetrope at the time. And I walk across the stage in front of the crew, feeling like an idiot. And we get away from earshot of the crew, and he said, look at me. I said, I'm looking at you. He goes, no, look at me. So I look at him. I say, what? He goes, you're playing me if I weren't successful. Do you understand? And wow. I, and on the way back to the set, I watched how he walked, and I started basically playing him from that moment on. So and he so he saw something of himself in, in Snyder, in Paul Snyder. He just understood what – Snyder was every man. The problem – where he like stands out is the ultimate crime, you know that uh, that murder. That's what, you know, that's what made him unique. Mm -hmm. not, yeah. And and after after Star Eighty, you said people were scared of you walking down the street. No, it was it was unfortunate because uh, uh, honestly. Everybody thought I was that guy, and uh, I would see I would see myself get uh, recognized from from uh, from women walking down the street, and they would cross the street, <laughs> literally cross the street. That's a credit to your performance. Yeah, but but uh, it, it's it's odd when 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 that happens because like, hey, lady, I'm an actor. Come on. Was was that a tough character to shake? It was awful. No, not to a shake. It was it was it was a relief to shake, but to maintain it was awful. It's not it's not pleasant. I want to ask you about Runaway Train, which I which again is you and you and Voight doing terrific work. And I just watched well, it again last night. By the way, something that always gets overlooked about about John's performance in that movie, and John is over six feet tall. I, I think he's six one or two. He's it's, a tall guy. And uh, at the time, he, I think he weighed 165 pounds. So you can imagine how, how skinny he was being that tall. That's all a bodysuit he has on in that movie. He wears a bodysuit that whole film. No idea. I know. Nobody knows that. <laughs> That's and, good stuff. And he pulls that off, man. He looks like a guy who weighs 240 pounds. What, was it a challenge to make Buck's character likable because he's the likable one of the two? He, and it's an interesting movie because there's my wife was watching it with me and she said, "Who's the protagonist?" Right. And I said, "Well, it's Eric's character, Buck, but he is a he is he is in prison for statutory rape, so you had to do a little manipulating of that character." Well, here's what happened. I got offered this part, and I loved the story, but my part was kind of a uh, kind of a tough guy. And I said, "If he's a tough guy and he's in for statutory rape, he doesn't seem." forgivable or acceptable uh, so I, I i don't want to do that because the other guy is not is not is not acceptable or forgivable so you can't have your two guys like that i said but i can fix that if i can go from talking like this to talking like this i can make it okay i mean for statutory rape i well you know she said she was 17 i didn't know you know so it's it just seems if it can be harmless, that's as harmless as it can get. I see. And so and so, uh, I asked the director if I could if I could change my accent and change my my uh, my vocal tone, and uh, and being a man with a Russian accent, he didn't even hear accent, so he didn't care. What <laughs> 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 else you want, Daddy? You're brilliant. So I just I just I just I just changed the accent on him, and I and I and I and I had him talk like yes, so he didn't seem so. So awful that he's in for statutory rape. It was just a oops. Yeah. Did you base him on somebody you knew? Somebody from Atlanta? 
Yeah, I did. I based him on on the kid that I grew up with, Erwin White. Yeah. It's it's fascinating because you do manage to make that character sympathetic, and without that, without that view, that viewpoint character, there's you, you're not emotionally invested in that movie. You got that right, pal. Yeah. When I when I first read that movie, it was 300 pages long. It was it was uh, it was uh, it was a Kurosawa version. Yeah, I found that out too. I never knew it was started with Kurosawa. That movie, Gilbert. Oh, it's wow. rather. Ap- I must say, it's rather operatic, especially the last 10 or 15 minutes of that film. Isn't it good for you? Yeah, yeah. It's re- you're right. If it didn't have that element, then all you care about is just how awful it would be to be in a train that's for sure going to crash. And and you know you don't you don't but you don't care about the people who are in it. No, like, you know if it's going to happen, it, it, it might as well happen to them. But you're right. That's a huge element and a really big difference. And you know the people, the actor. It's an actor's piece too. Robert Pattinson. We were both in Good Time, um, which is this uh, Softy Brothers movie and starring Robert Pattinson. And the main reason was Pattinson is such a huge fan of Runaway Train. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And that always means a lot when it's a new generation of actors um, who are the real thing and they look at a piece of work and that they they let you know that that inspired you. First of all, you never know. I mean, finding that out is so exciting. Um, So that was very cool. That is that must be gratifying. Yeah, I mean, you're supposed to you're supposed to feel for Rebecca De Mornay's character, but she comes into the movie late. So really, and and Voight's character, he's tragic, but he's also such a monster that that all your sympathies go over to Buck, Derek's character. Yeah, Yeah. that's a little of Mice and Men, too, in a way. It is a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, they they, say they're only 10 stories, right? Yeah, <laughs> they they didn't do you know Rebecca's young character justice in that movie. Uh, that you uh, you uh, you uh, should have felt her, the fact that she you know was a young woman. You didn't get any of that. You yeah, you, yeah. But a yeah. really really well made film. We have to tell our listeners to to check it's out a, Runaway Train. It's a fun movie yeah. to watch. And and what was it like? You did a movie with Tony Curtis. Any memories of that? Tony was one of the coolest cats on the planet. His and, the, and the stories were endless. Yeah, what a painter. What a painter. <laughs> no, really, truly. And what a cool guy. And the stories were endless and fun and personal and entertaining and educational. Sad. And uh, uh, he was he was he had the healthiest humor of anybody I've ever known, maybe. He didn't play star in that movie at all. Mostly yeah. he was interested in everybody buying his paintings. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, good, I'll take this part because I might get some customers. Interesting. <laughs> that was kind of his thing. Like, <laughs> so, he was so not Tony Curtis. It was so funny. He was so, just like one of the guys. Unpretentious, unaffected, cool, fun to hang out with, drank too much coffee. What a, what a guest he would have been on this show. It, it always it always seemed like Tony Curtis enjoyed being Tony Curtis. I got one yes that is one true. one a Tony Curtis is an out of school story. So I say to Tony, "You've got the best hair there is, and it's never changed. It just got white." And he said, "The wig just got white." <laughs> that's a wig and he said I'm as bald headed as your ass <laughs> that's yeah. grand yeah and, that's now, and so I asked him can I see sometime and he said nope <laughs> Was it, wasn't gonna give you a peek huh you guys better a, fact check that, that was a long, <laughs> long oh you know print the, print the legend 
Does right, Dan Eliza? Ever make yeah. anybody fact check your stuff, Gilbert? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, tell, Over here, we got to do that once in a while. You're still acting, Eliza, but obviously you made a decision at some point to also transition into into casting. What? Why? Why did you make that choice? And you know, I'm very practical, and it was about my my mom is amazing, but having her support me had so many strings attached. So um, I decided to start supporting myself when I was about 17 and I never turned back. And so I was not a person to sit around waiting for acting jobs. When I, uh, you know, I was a kid and I was acting and um, a job came up on Don Kirshner's rock concert. Sure. As the talent coordinator and booth PA. And the next thing you know, I was producing that show for David Yarnell. Wow. And um, and while I was at it, I got Animal House. And then the next thing you know, or just before that, actually, uh, Baby, I'm Back. I was on Baby, I'm Back. Um, our casting director, the wonderful Pat Harris, became ill. A lot of my friends were doing the show anyway. I kept suggesting actors. And they just said, why don't you take over the casting? I was like, I'm a... 24 year old kid who's pregnant and on the show and going to do a movie and also producing a rock concert. I don't know how to be a casting director. They're like, sure you do. And so I became a casting director, a hyphenate really. I never stopped doing any of the things. And the next thing I had this casting career. I love that. Um, yeah. So that's how it happened. And I'm still doing all of it. I'm, I'm off in a few days to go do a Hallmark movie. Keaton's music is all over the movie that happened first, and then they're like, "Hey, while we're at it, why don't we cast you?" And it's just it's nuts. Because I know, I know a casting agent uh, was was pivotal in Eric's early career, Mar Marion Doherty. Very much was, so. Yeah. The casting agent. The casting agent again yeah. would have made a wonderful guest on this show. What what story she must have had? Oh, incredible! Well, we all do. Like for instance, the the stuff that that you know. Um, I, I cast a thing for NBC called The Powers of of Matthew Starr, I think it was. And, um, I remember that show. The videotapes were there. Okay, with Peter Barton, right? Yeah. The videotapes were there. There was Tom Cruise's audition on which the head of casting for the network had written a locks. <laughs> That's it. And we were like, what does that mean? He's like, the guy just came in and just kind of stood there. That was Tom Cruise, right? The people that I had to fight my ass off to get Halle Berry, to get our people to cast her on Knott's Landing. I was like, you know how lucky you are to have this <laughs> new at the time? Wow. Girl. Jeff Morgan's a great example. They're, you know, they're, casting stories are the best. So there's real joy, and I would imagine, and real pleasure in that part of the job, in, in, in placing the right person in the right role it and is, in making a difference in that person's life. It's torture and joy. It's a love-hate because you don't get to place them. It's so political. You get to present them, sweat for them, cry for them. You're on your knees begging, and then the committeeets will derail. The, the committeeets. You know, and then the network hates the producer's choices. Aspersky. Um, they're, you know, and so it becomes you're kind of a traffic cop. But when you do get a chance to say you got the part and it's somebody who you know, Duchovny also credits me with early stuff, you know, this um, then great. it's really gratifying. It's that's, really that's great. Not... Oh, and another actor you worked with, um, uh, Eric, was was the great Eli Wallach. Ah, uh, Eli. He was so much fun and he never stopped telling stories. And uh, his his uh, his stories were always presentable and uh, <laughs> always old Hollywood and um, and he he was lovely he was a lovely lovely and man Jackson his wife uh, and was cool and was always there yeah weren't they very nurturing to young actors because we had Joey pants here and he said that Eli and Ann helped him 
they, took, took him they, in, as a matter of fact. They loved actors. They were just decent people who loved what they were. <laughs> That's nice to hear. I yeah. want to ask you about playing villains, and I know you've been asked this question, about you about humanizing. We had Danny Houston here a couple of weeks ago, and we asked him, a fascinating guy, we asked yeah. him about playing bad guys. Uh, yeah. Gil- Gilbert did his uh, Jack Nicholson uh, from Chinatown while Danny did a dead-on impression of his dad. <laughs> That was spooky. But we you, were at Jeff Morgan's wedding with Danny Houston. Oh, we love him so much. Lovely guy. But yeah. playing Maroney in The Dark Knight and Monroe in The in the Expendables and uh, that, that awful character, uh, uh, Bubba, in Heaven's Prisoners, I mean, it, it, do you, do you, A, do you really enjoy them as much as you look like you're enjoying them? And, to, and, b, and B, how do, you, how do you make them human? How do you make them real and not one-dimensional? I have so much fun. And... I would choose a bad guy over a good guy any day of the week because they're more complicated. They're, they, 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 they have more issues. <laughs> they, they have more interesting clothes. They have more interesting cars. They have more interesting girlfriends. They, I get to die more than half the time. It's just more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Did Stallone write a, a scene for the two of you in The Specialist because you didn't have a scene? So one night, I'm not shooting, and I say to my wife, you know, let's go watch where they're shooting because they're either going to be outside, it's like a chair. Let's go sneak up and watch like like, a, like, a, like a pedestrians. She goes, okay. So we sneak up, and we're with the crowd, and we're watching them. They're doing the scene outside, and suddenly Sly, as if he knew I was there the whole time, goes, hey, Eric. I say, yeah, what's up? <laughs> Eric, you know, I'm thinking about it. We don't have a scene together. I said, so write one. He goes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> that simple. So he writes a scene, and it's in the movie, and it's where I like, I like pull the gun on his eye, and I and I threaten nice. his ass. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I pull a knife on his eye, and I threaten his life. Blah blah blah. And it's in the movie, and it's really a good scene. Yeah. Yeah, I like that movie very much. And I, I like you as heavies. I like you in Heaven's Prisoners. I mean, ah, uh, thank you, dude. I love that part. Yeah, hateful characters. I watched another movie that I think people should see uh, of yours, and that's the Coca Cola Kid. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Coca Cola Kid, which is a which is a sweet little movie uh, on your one on your resume in the early days that I don't think a lot of people know about. The people who know it really do love it. It's a little like Local Hero, them- thematically <laughs> yeah. speaking of Riegert. It's, it's a kind of movie. Yeah, it's a kind movie. It's kind to all your senses. It's kind. It's uh. It's kind to all your morals, and it's kind to uh, all your sensibilities. It's just. It's just. It's a sweet movie. And also, Greta Sacchi in that movie may be the most beautiful woman who's ever appeared on film in that movie. Yeah, that little girl was such a good actress. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. Shot in Australia. That yeah. is a really good one. Beautiful little film, and she and she seduces you while wearing a Santa Claus suit, which you don't see every day. <laughs> Gil, let's ask him about Larry Cohen, who we had on the show. Uh, yeah, we had Larry Cohen on, and I mean, out of his mind and great. Larry, <laughs> Just, we like, loved him. Larry is like working for a very tall eight-year-old boy. <laughs> 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 That's a good thing, especially in show business, because he has the imagination of a child. He has the energy of a child. He has the love of a child. He has the appreciation of a child. It's so much fun to be with him on a set as his employee, because you're working for an eight-year-old kid. It's so much fun. 
And and he was like constantly breaking the law with his films. <laughs> he does that. Like he was like having gunfights in airports. He never gets permits. And, and, you know about this, right, Eliza? <laughs> yes. When he was he making Q the Winged Serpent, he, they were shooting from from the top of the Chrysler building without permits. Yeah, really makes me very nervous. Yeah. <laughs> well, it made us nervous to hear about it. Isn't his wife a shrink? I believe so. Well, we lost yeah, Larry. Yeah. We lost Larry this year. He yeah. passed in 2019. But yeah, I believe his wife is a therapist. <laughs> well, she's doing a really lousy job with him. Oh. But, you know, <laughs> it's okay. Just want to ask you a couple of quick questions from listeners. Uh, this is a thing we do called Grill the Guest. A gentleman named Eric, uh, interestingly enough, for years, one of Andrew Dice Clay's favorite impressions was Eric Roberts. Oh, he did so well. What are his thoughts on the impression? There was. He I did, know Gilbert does thing, one too. He did. He did a Weenie Rose or a Marshmallow Rose. I forget which. With me, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and John Travolta, and he does and us Stallone, all. Stallone, don't and, forget. And Stallone, and yeah. he does us all. And he, all the voices are perfect. It's incredible. He does me though from Pope. He doesn't do me as Eric. He does me from Pope. And uh, they're all perfect. And I have never been more entertained in my whole life about me. Than as I listen to Andrew Dice. Yeah, but wait, you guys. When we were looping, we were doing ADR post production on um, on the Expendables, and we were there with Sly for a few days, you know, doing all that. And so it came up uh, about Andrew Dice's Clay, Dice Clay's, uh, who also, by the way, just like you would be, Gilbert, is a very good dramatic actor. But anyway, um, <laughs> she's she's got designs on you here, Gilbert. She <laughs> wants you to act. Um, so Sly had never seen it. And so we thought it would be so fun, you know, to have a little break. Everybody's scared to tell Sly stuff, you know. So I played it for him. He was horrified. Yeah, he was upset. He was so mad. And I was just like, oh, my God, that was a huge mistake. Why would you be offended by that? It's nuts. It was so much fun for me, though. I loved it. Yeah, he loved it. Yeah, I did. That's good. Here's another one. Um, this is from uh, Buddy Spencer. Uh, what role has Eric turned down and then said afterward, maybe I should have done that? Eight is enough? <laughs> no. Um, officer and gentleman, well, you didn't turn it down. I didn't really turn it down. Yeah, you just, yeah. Officer and gentleman, oh. I hear, heard this from the director directly. Um, he, Eric was cast in it, and he was thrilled to be using him. And his manager at the time, who was not me, obviously, and it was a guy, wouldn't leave the room. He came to rehearsal. He came to everything. He just wouldn't allow that director-actor relationship to happen. And so Gear was wonderful in it. But you regret not doing that movie, don't you? I didn't hear this conversation. Yeah, you weren't there. I didn't hear this conversation. It happened. I don't know. You don't kick yourself. I mean, you take, obviously, you, you accept a lot of parts, but your, your tendency is not to kick yourself for, for things yeah. that got away, is it? Cliffhanger. Are you mad that you, you turned out Cliffhanger? I'm mad you turned out Cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> He's so mellow. Well, I like Sly so much, and I have so much fun working with him, that in retrospect, when I was offered the uh, the John Lithgow part in, uh, in uh, Cliffhanger, I said no to it for one reason. I... I don't want to be that cold for that long. It's simple. I don't want to go make that movie in the snow. <laughs> you made a, you'd made a movie in Alaska. You knew what it was. I made Runaway Train. I knew about suffering in the snow. No, thank you. <laughs> and it was it as was, it's, it's simple and dumb as that. And But but having having worked with Sly, though, twice after that, I, I wish I'd done it because I love working with Sly. We have so much fun together. And he's so much fun to work with. 
He runs a happy runs set, a happy. huh? He yeah. does run a happy. He's a great boss, man. He's a great boss. Can I? I don't want to interrupt your um your audience questions because that's very cool. But cameo, you know, we just got on cameo. Oh, me too. He's on You're the king of cameo. You're the king of cameo. Yeah. We want to rip you off so badly. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Daryl will appreciate the plug. Yeah, and do everything. Yes, we want to do everything like you. You really give so much, and it's so funny. It's so long. Everybody so loves special. you on Cameo. Yeah. They love oh, you. thank you. Yeah. yeah, everybody, get a Gilbert Gottfried Cameo. Very nice of you, Eliza. Yeah. When are you guys going to be on, on we're, Cameo? We've, we, we're on. We're on. We're okay. On. The holidays we did, we just got on. The Fantastic. holidays we did a lot and, and stuff. I'm also but, on Naked Cameo. <laughs> <laughs> In the underwear with the guitar, with your rocket, with, with a rocket. Tell, rocket. tell us about yeah. tell us Could something about. Around. No, we'll we'll come back to the rocket in a minute. But tell us something about Keaton, your your son. Oh, who's a band? Thank you for sending us that music. Well, you're so welcome. Use it. All, I do the licensing, so hey, I make it really easy because people are so weird about that. Um, Keaton is now touring with Brett Young, and Brett Young is, and they've been playing music together and struggling together for a billion years, and now Brett is breaking big. He's from L.A., but he moved to Nashville and kind of pretended to be from there, although his album is called Ticket to L.A., so I think he's going to come back to, like, regular music. Keaton's touring with him, having a blast, and Keaton just is in post-production on a movie directed by Dennis Dugan. Oh, Gilbert's old director. Problem child. I know Yes, I know this very well. And this one stars um, Diane Keaton, Jeremy Irons, Maggie Grace, Elle King, who's Rob Snyder's daughter. And Keaton scored it along with um, with Noah Needleman, who's also on tour with Brett. And he and Dennis and Noah wrote all the songs, and Keaton's in it. And um, is and he, it's is just he the star of it. It's wow, pretty, good for yeah, him. Yeah, he's the star of it, and Diane Keaton has a bit part, and so did Maggie, and so did, no, he's not the star of it. Well, he's the star of us. They should build field. it, Keaton. They should build it, Keaton and Keaton. They should build it, Keaton and Keaton. That would get anyway. He's, he, you know, he's amazing. It's a crazy. The music business is crazy, like our business sure. is crazy. Um, but uh, but yeah, we love him to bits. And Keaton Simons. The song, the song you sent me, "Beautiful Pain," was lovely. Ah, oh, really, good really terrific, so terrific. And there's a great yeah. video of him playing a Prince song on uh, on YouTube. Yeah, singing nobody, no, but nothing compares to you. And, yes. and, and weren't also- you in a Rihanna? He is. We put it in the, the intro. Yeah. But you were in a Rihanna video, and I think it said that she's supposed to shoot you yes. at one point. Well, here's what happened. Yeah. I, she cast me as her lover, who she kills. No, the girl's lover, the girl's yeah, husband. Yeah. Oh, the girl's yeah, husband, who she kills. Yeah. And I show up, and she goes, oh, we got a problem. I said, what? She goes, I can't have you play that part. I said, okay, why? She goes, because you're too fine to kill. <laughs> so I'm going to have you play the other part. I said, what's the other part? You're a cop. Look on for me. I said, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, because they said it was a sequel. <laughs> I was too fine to kill. It was so isn't that fun. Cool? Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that, that is. That is. She's a Keaton fan too. That's yeah. pretty neat. That That's is. Pretty, that is. I, I'm not going to get over the thing about about Keaton uh, on tour with Otis Day, and he know, you were pregnant yes. with him in Animal House. That's just. That's like. Yeah. T- that's like time travel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Last question that I have for you guys, uh, Eric. What's your favorite of Eliza's performances? And and the same question the other way. Well. Uh, there's a performance that Eliza gives in a movie called Love is a Gun, 
where she plays my girlfriend, who I mess around on with Kelly Preston, so she kills me. And uh, <laughs> not to give away the end here. Spoilers. Kill Kelly. He's it's silly. a black comedy. I, yeah, that's right. You don't kill me. You do kill Kelly. Anyway, so uh, you gave it away now. Anyway, so so <laughs> you guys are like you're on the newlywed game. <laughs> she's, so, she's so brilliant in this movie. What's it, say it again. Year of the gun. Love is a gun. Love, love is a gun. Excuse me. Gun. And uh, that's the same way that Love's a forty five came out. So they said to me, "You got to change your title." I said, "No, because Love is a gun. We got to keep the title." So I had to fight for the title, but I kept it. And uh, my wife is brilliant in this movie. Okay, we're going to look for that. Okay, so my fave of Eric, my favorite of Eric is Final Analysis. Okay. And, yeah, uh, also a not that much seen movie, but everybody should see it. It's I, I, I'm writing you know, it down. A hundred thousand times. I played Kim Bassner's husband. He's so good. You'll, you'll, you'll see. It's very quotable. Final not, Analysis and Love Final is a Gun. Analysis. Yes. Those are our two answers. Terrific. Yes. All right, and I'm going to urge people to see the Coca-Cola Kid, and it's my party. Yeah, oh, it's my party with our friend Lee Grant. Right. So, what do you guys have to plug? What's coming up besides? The, well, and then we'll get to the rocket again. Right, of course. But what's well, what's coming up project-wise? What's coming up project-wise is there's a new show called Interrogation. It hasn't you haven't it hasn't started promoting yet, but it's going to be crazy, and it is real complete uh, real cases that are just mind blowing. Um, John Mankiewicz is the is the um, executive producer. Peter Sarsgaard is in it, and each each little like arc is a whole story of a case that will blow your mind. And Eric plays an attorney in one of the cases, and it's just incredible. The okay. work is just incredible. So it's called interrogation. Interrogation. It's and, um, you know, when he plays a guy who's been to a lot of college and wears a suit and stuff, it's very convincing. It's like surprisingly convincing um, unless I... you're behind the scenes on set and watching him like eat everything on the craft service table. <laughs> and <laughs> and Matush, he's a man know? after your own heart, Gail. He eats everything on the craft service <laughs> table. I, I, I have... take it home with me. <laughs> oh, so, oh, my God. He stuffs it in my purse. <laughs> M and M's. And will you be doing another stalked, stalked by my doctor? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, and it's gonna be even bigger. No, <laughs> uh, yeah. This is supposed to be a one-off, you know. We're up to five, dude. Yeah. I love it, <gasps> Eric. You're slacking. I went to IMDb and I only counted 59 credits for you uh, in 2020. I know <laughs> things that are in pre-production and kind of already completed. I'm not young anymore, dude. Yeah, but it's only we've only been in this month in this year for 14 days. Do you it, understand? That's frightening. Gilbert and I used to we, we were talking about John Carradine's career, going yes. to his IMDb page and looking at the hundreds of credits, and you are giving him a run for his money. Thank it, you. It's impressive. There. Well, you know, in 1993, I remember this very well. My wife says to me. If you could do anything every day of your life, what would it be, Eric? I said, well, I'd be on a movie set every day. She said, well, that's not going to happen. Then 2003 comes. She goes, something's weird happening in the world. Everybody's buying cameras, and they're calling for you, but all over the world. And she says, uh, so they aren't as big a budget movies as our Hollywood movies, but everybody's making a movie. I think I can have you on the movie set every day of your life. I said, let's go do that. It's amazing that you have this kind of energy. 
Are you traveling around the world for these two? Oh, my God, he's traveling around the world. I mean, he's been everywhere, even if you go look at the old films. Do, do you have ever have a day where you're just at home watching TV? <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday. Watching yes. Problem Child? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Problem Child. My ex-husband worked on Problem Child. He, he, Jimmy he was Simons. the line producer. Jimmy was the line producer. Okay. Um, Eric... Uh, you weren't even available all day yesterday. He just, he he literally, I picked him up at the airport and brought him right to set. That's very, very typical. And he does miss so much sitting at home watching TV that he TiVo's football games. And I think in his catching up, I think he's up to like 2006. Oh. No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same, Eric. I do the same. I'm up to the do playoffs. You? But I can't I watch the news because they'll blow it with the I know they blow the, right. Blah, blah, blah. And I can't even talk to my friends. Like, don't talk about Kansas City. I've got. I've still got the Chiefs Texans game on the, the DVR. Oh, I have a TiVo. I've only seen the first quarter. He doesn't blink an eye. If he has to go to Kazakhstan uh, for like three hours, and then after that come back here and drive to Palm Springs, and then fly to Sacramento or something, he's like, okay, and he just comes along with his script bag and his and his little fanny pack. Amazing work ethic. Yeah. And, and now now I want to see if you can if you can answer this line from from a movie. I'll be Mickey Rock. <laughs> what, what about me, Polly? Did they press you for me? Uh I don't remember. Okay. They pressed me. They pressed me hard. <laughs> oh, I remember that. They pressed me. They pressed me hard. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Listen, if Mickey doesn't doesn't want to do the sequel, will you do it with Gilbert? I would. I would. I would gladly do it with Gilbert. They might have to change the, to the Moyle of Greenwich Village. <laughs> Just, just so you know, just so know you're what a moil all... is, honey. What? Do you know what a moil is? Here's the moment of truth. I thought he said boil. <laughs> or the boil? I thought he know? said boil, and I know what a boil is. <laughs> I do not. It's the, it's the religious person who does a circumcision. We don't believe in circumcision, but wow. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is another segue back to the rocket. <laughs> If you have one or not, the rocket will work. <laughs> okay, so did we verify the web the website? It's therocket.com. Yeah, if that's what got that thing up there that you showed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes, therocket.com. Say it, Eric. Therocket.com. Okay. We we will follow up. We'll follow it up on social media. I, I'm out of cards. This has been vastly entertaining. For us, too. Wow, there's that site. You are in a movie called Amazon Lost coming up. Oh, yeah. And I bring it up only because it's written by my old neighbor from West Hollywood, <laughs> Cecily Nobler, <laughs> which I find. If you dig into Eric's IMDb page, there's all kinds of treasures. You will find someone you know. Oh, for sure. Because it's, yeah. it's like 500. Even if not in the business at all. 500. I've got questions here I didn't even ask from uh, from other tech people that worked with uh, with Eric on uh, on projects. It's, what is it, 571 credits or something on there? Something like that. We love all those people. We really love the crews. Like, Eric, like, we, we bond every time and then yeah, have to go did. through separation anxiety. I lost count at 75. It's impressive. And it's a family affair. My daughter caters all the movie. A lot She's of them, catering yeah. two of them today. Yeah. Oh, I have two more words. Miss Castaway. Oh, yeah. Well, with Michael Jackson, Yeah, that's all all I'll say. (laughs) That's all I'll say. (laughs) 
I got a really funny story for you about that movie. That that guy comes to me about that movie, and yeah, it's Brian. just it's it's kind of kind of, kind of a very silly movie, and he has no money. What I plead, I say, okay, I will do it if I can take a chance. I've always wanted to play a Frenchman, but nobody's going to ever offer me a job. French accent, and the guy says, okay, so I play this thing with very French accent. The whole thing, the whole the whole movie in this French accent. Anyway. When I watched the movie, it was so bad, I redubbed the whole thing in an American accent. Entire movie. There you go. The <laughs> whole thing. There you go. And all I'll say is Michael Jackson's in it. <laughs> so so I'll urge our listeners it to seek it out. Be, it might be his best work in cinema. It might be. It might be. <laughs> it's that or the whiz. And, and, and now let me say in closing... Bonnie's not family. Some I reach hard on from the Bronx. <laughs> you, you guys are a lot of fun. Thanks for coming and schlepping and playing with us. We loved it. Our so listeners fun. will eat this up. Goody. Yay. And, and and this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre. And uh, first, I'll have to get Eliza. Yes. Eliza Roberts. <laughs> Not Elijah Wood. Yes. <laughs> Not Elijah. And the star of Stalked by My Doctor. <laughs> Eric and the star Roberts. of Sicilian Vampire. Oh, <laughs> even better. Eric Roberts. <laughs> Thank you, guys. This Thanks. was a thrill. The summer wind came blowing in from across the sea It lingered there to touch your hair and walk with me All summer long we sang a song and then we strolled that golden sand Two sweethearts And the summer wind Like painted kites Those days and nights They went flying by The world was new Beneath the Umbrella sky Then softer than A piper man One day It called to you I lost you I lost you to the summer wind The autumn wind Still the days, those lonely days, they go on and on. And guess who sighs his lullabies through nights that never end? My fickle friend, 
the summer wind The summer wind Warm summer wind